Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 33 of Brody Sports Talk. It is the newest episode and the first episode of Brody Sports Talk of 2024. So, as you are making your New Year's resolutions, thank you for uh, listening to more podcasts, uh, including ours, and making sure you don't miss a single episode to start the new year. I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Derek. How are you doing today, buddy? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm feeling a quarterback draw in overtime, fourth down uh, on, a, on a championship game. How do you feel about a quarterback draw? It's not my favorite. No? Okay. Well, I, uh, I, I clearly you are smarter than anybody calling plays for Alabama. Clearly. Uh, we know that. That's why I'm on a podcast and they're making multi-millions of dollars coaching. Um, that's how it works, right? That's exactly it. Like, we uh, we know better, but they just uh, – they can articulate it. We can't. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and do a quick rundown of what we're going to talk about as we get get ready and prepare for week 18 of the NFL season. We've got our Brody spotlights, our over-under results, uh, the playoff locks as we are looking into the final week of the season, uh, our goats of the week, the stock watch, and of course our game of the week and our Brody bets. Derek, uh, what do you want to go ahead and cast your spotlight on to start this episode? So, um, the sound of music, uh, I think, did it best in saying goodbye to things. Uh, but I am saying goodbye to the four-team playoff. Um, after multiple years of having blowout games where teams clearly should not have been in there, um, we have teams that may may have gotten in there, may not. But we finally got some competitive games for the four-team playoff where we had an Alabama-Michigan game go to overtime where Michigan wins it. Uh, and then we had a Texas-Washington game that came down to the last play of the game and a really good defensive pass uh, protection uh, on the Texas receiver uh, versus the Washington DB. Um, both games really close, within uh, six and seven points of each other, finally have really good matchup. Of course, we also got uh, number one versus number two in the national championship game, so the BCS wins again. Next year, we will be going into a 12-team playoff, and that's going to be fun. We're going to have more games, more games that mean something. Maybe some of the other bowl games mean less. I don't know what that comes down to in the grand scheme of things. But I think that there are several teams that uh, over the in the in the top ten that probably could get put up a pretty good fight versus Texas put up a pretty good fight versus Alabama and surely give uh Washington and Michigan a fight. So we say goodbye after an incredibly poor run at four teams, finally getting some competitive games, um and a a fond farewell um Let's hope we get it get it right this next time. As I believe it was said for the longest time, a playoff is better than no playoff. And uh, uh, I, I think that you're you're fair in saying it's been fairly hit or miss. I am excited for the 12 team playoff. I'm curious to see how it all goes down. But if nothing else, getting more settled on the field having the four-team playoff just was better. It was better than the old traditional BCS model, and it is one of those things where it served its purpose and it did its time. And now I think that I know I'm particularly excited for the 12-team playoff to come in and 
uh, let the chaos come through. Agreed. Uh, you know, my hope is that uh, we see a really fun, uh, quite large red team in the uh, the top twelve next year. I would be okay with that. Uh, I think that yeah. would rule. Um, so, what is uh, what's going to be your spotlight this week? So, I'm going to go from the college game, which pretty much had everything go really well for it this past week to the NFL, which had some owners, let's just say, not showing off their best sides. Uh, the first things first has to do with Panthers owner David Tepper. When he was there at the Panthers-Jaguars game this past week, Looks like he had his booth open and just tossed his drink onto someone there in the crowd. And the NFL came back this week and gave him a $300,000 fine. And he, of course, came out and said that he was sorry for doing so. Like they came back basically back to back the NFL and his statement to where they were close enough to being quite clear and right there in a row. Uh, This is one of many things that David Tepper has done in his ownership of the Panthers. He went ahead and, you know, got Ron Rivera out of town. He had Matt Rule, fired him. He had Frank Reich, fired him. Very hot on the trigger, doing things probably a little bit too fast thing that he can create instant success in the National Football League, which just isn't the quickest to transition sometimes. Meanwhile, other new owners, if you think about the Denver Broncos, they had a new owner. They say, hey, we've got to go out and get a quarterback. This Drew Locke thing is not working out. Make a blockbuster move for Russell Wilson. Let's ride and bring him in to be the quarterback of the future. Who are they going to pair him with? Uh, an experienced, talented head coach. Oh, wait, that's not what they did at first. They paired him with Nathaniel Hackett. Now, one thing that I think Derek and I both agree on is that Nathaniel Hackett couldn't hack it as an NFL head coach. Uh, play on words. But it, it was not not good and not well done. And after... Having Hackett and basically letting Russell Wilson do whatever he was wanting to do as far as having people in the facility and whatnot, they went changed completely different direction, brought in Sean Payton, banned a lot of Russell's people from the facility, and Sean Payton was able to do whatever he wants to do, basically. It was him over the GM, and partway through the season they say, "Uh, Russ, we need you to, to push back your your guarantee date on your injury money, or we're going to bench you. They didn't do that. They threatened him. He played for several more games, won several of them, had some, I think what you would potentially call really not taking advantage of Russ's skill set as far as play calling. You're not letting him get out of the pocket or scramble very much. You're doing quick passes where they knew they didn't want Russell to get hurt. And that's okay. No one wants their quarterback to get hurt. I just am tired of owners coming in thinking that they can lead teams to the Super Bowl instantaneously. Owning an NFL team is harder than Madden. Just whether or not you believe that, it really is. And just because you may have, you know, $7 billion to do so, does not mean that you are going to be a competent NFL owner. I'm curious to see if Washington continues to have any of these type of issues as they also have new ownership this year, and I think it will be interesting because this would be the second new ownership group to get rid of Ron Rivera, which I expect to happen after the season. Of course, after they traded away all their top defensive talent to other teams. 
I just think that it's it's rough, it's frustrating. You think of people who've been doing it for a long time, like the Giants or the Steelers, where there's just this sense of continuation and consistency with that family ownership style. And some of these new owners just they just don't have it. Derek, am I right? Am I wrong? Do you think I'm being too harsh? What's going on? Yeah, so you're not wrong um, in the grand scheme of things. What happens with these NFL owners, it's a status symbol because for the most part, um, the guys who can, the, the people who can buy NFL teams uh, probably have not failed in business ventures much in their life. Like they either, if they had a bad business venture, they got out of it without losing much money, and then they found their way to exceedingly large amounts of success, billions of dollars in their bank account, and they're just bored, basically. So they go out here and buy a an NFL team. Now, you have to be approved by the the other owners in order to own an NFL team. So it's not like you can just go out here and, ha-ha, I've bought a, a, a a football team, like I can buy Taco Bell. They don't just give them out. There's 32 of them. So when you go out here and all of a sudden, hey, I've come in. I've I've always been successful. Why aren't you successful? Well, the the guys that are in the NFL have the same mindset. I've always been successful. I'm going to be successful in the future. I've always been the best player on my team, basically. Um and there's only one winner at the end of the year, the only one Super Bowl winner. It's incredibly hard to win a Super Bowl. You have, A lot of things have to go right. The fact that we have lived through 20 years of the Patriots doing what they did, that's an aberration. We talk about the Cowboys winning three. We, we talk about the Steelers winning four. Talk about the 49ers winning three. Like... These are the greatest teams out there, and the Patriots did it. You know, Tom Brady did it for seven times. Uh, you know, Patriots did it for six. Like, that, that's a complete aberration. Well, these, these owners are looking at the, why can't we do that? Why can't we go and make a dynasty? Well, it's because it's really hard to do that. And you have to have, have to be lucky, and you have to be really great at the football talent. And a lot of these uh, NFL guys aren't looking for football talent. They're looking for business talent. And that's what's going to get you in trouble. So these new owners, it's going to take them a while to really realize that it's much harder in this league to win than it is what they do in the boardroom. Absolutely. Absolutely, Derek. When Going to something that is on the field, though, I do want to go ahead and at least pour my case out for NFL MVP as I feel like the picture just became really crystal clear for me after the last few weeks, and that is that I am sitting here today telling you that we should all, all of us that have a vote, which does not include me, uh, vote Lamar Jackson for NFL MVP. Uh, not only is he on the best team in all of football, he just showed that his team could go out and score against the 49ers, and then they put up a mind-boggling amount of numbers against the Dolphins this past week as they scored 56 points in that win. He's ran for, again, another 800 rushing yards this year with five touchdowns on the ground while he's been throwing really well and has 3,600 yards through the air, which is a career high for him. And it is with 24 touchdowns and seven interceptions. And you could say that's not that many passing touchdowns. And I would say it's been a little bit more of a team effort. But if you're going to sit here and tell me that the man who got his extension done at the wire, at the draft, is not the most valuable player in football, I think you're wrong. I We talked about it in our over-under results a few weeks ago that we'll get to here in a second for this coming week. But 
I had gone with the under because Lamar kept getting hurt. And that's the reason why Baltimore was not hitting their over on some of those games. Now, they're the number one seed locked in in the AFC. They've won the AFC North. And I think that they are clearly a team that no one is looking forward to facing during the playoffs, especially after they get rest. Derek, am I wrong? Are you on uh, the Lamar hype train with me? You know what? Uh, you know that, that I come out here on this podcast, and if, something, if I say something wrong, then I admit it. Um, this is my official apology to Lamar Jackson. As um, I'm sorry, I did not know your game, and uh, I see it now. Um, you know, every, you, you, I know you heard how much of a hype train I was on the 49ers. I still love them. I think I think they're they're going to be right there in the Super Bowl with you. But boy, howdy, do I love to watch Lamar Jackson play football. Um, it is it is a little bit of everything you could want. Um, everything that I want out of Patrick Mahomes and out of Jalen Hurts and out of Brock Purdy, like if you put them all together, they have a little bit of, of everything because you've got this run around through the bowl, uh, with Patrick Mahomes. You have this running style like Jalen Hurts that extends plays, gets things going. And then you have the guy who, hey, Here's the play that's in front of me. I am going to manage this game to get us down to kick a field goal because I have an amazing kicker behind me. I have a great line in front of me. Um, I've got some receivers that uh, everyone thought was uh, not a good investment, but here we are. Um, Lamar, I'm sorry. And I'm jumping on the hype train with you, with you, Caleb. I really do think that he's going to win a second MVP, and I think he probably has deserved another one, but we just kind of get used to how good he is. With all of this being said, Derek, happy early birthday to Lamar Jackson. He will be turning 27 on Sunday, and his team will be done with the regular season at that time. I hope that he gets to watch some football and potentially see some teams he would rather not see make the playoffs lose their games on Sunday just because I'm I'm wishing for a happy Lamar birthday. It's hard to believe he's only going to be 27. I feel like he is he's older than that already, but he is not. Agreed. All right, so let's do some quick hitters here on our over-under results from before. I'm just going to go through all of these real quick, Derek. I uh, don't want to spend too much time, but the Steelers went over eight and a half win, which gave Mike Tomlin his... 17th consecutive winning season. Uh, we both had the Steelers over eight and a half. We know that that's one of the easiest locks, period. So uh, we, we have that. Uh, then the Falcons did end up going under eight and a half wins. They have seven right now. They can't get there. Derek, you nailed that one. I salute you. Congratulations on the Falcons under. I I thought Arthur Smith was going to get out of his own way or Desmond Ritter was going to have a better season. I don't know what I was thinking, but it just didn't happen. Uh, then we get to two that uh, probably put the biggest smile on this Packer owner's face. Uh, the Vikings went under eight and a half wins because they did not play well on Sunday night football this past week. As they lost 33 to 10 to the Green Bay Packers who went over seven and a half wins. So the Packers have eight wins. Now the Vikings have seven and the Vikings just can't get over that eight and a half dot during the regular season. And the Packers are already over there seven and a half. I got both of those right. And I'm just wearing the G with a little bit more pride today. Uh, Derek, before I make this a Packer podcast, uh, any other comments that you want to add in here so that I don't just keep rambling? Yeah. So I want to see what the Vikings are going to do next year, hopefully having a healthy quarterback because there are sparks of greatness um, that I'm seeing. Like, I think uh, Kevin O'Connell is a really great head coach, and he's doing his best. We've seen them try to plug and play different uh, quarterbacks out there, and uh, it just hasn't worked uh, so well. So, 
And, uh, you know, very happy for the Packers uh, getting over that seven and a half wins as, uh, you know, a, a high five to you. And uh, let's just keep all the positivity going here. We've got some good positive vibes to start the pod today. And uh, we've got three teams that did lock in their spots for the playoffs this past week. One of them being a wild card team where they are locked into the fifth spot, which is the Cleveland Browns. The Kansas City Chiefs wound up winning the AFC West by getting a win over the Cincinnati Bengals. It was not a Browning head. It was not a chase head. It was regular arrowhead as the Chiefs found a way to get that division locked again but not the same that we thought that we, it could have been from years past. And we also have a wild card team locked in in the NFC. That's two now, which only leaves room for one more. But uh, that is the Los Angeles Rams who have locked their spot in and will be going to the postseason with Matthew Stafford. I said a lot of negative things about the Rams during the off season and uh, I'm sorry. So, uh, you know, when it's early in the year, we got to get our apologies off our chests. We got to congratulate the right people, take time to find joy, and uh, all of those good vibes. Uh, anything you want to add about the playoff locks here, Derek? Before we, or are you ready to to talk about goats? No, I definitely want to talk about these playoff locks. So. Everyone said a couple of years back, okay, well, the Rams have sold their soul for a Super Bowl. Um, you know, we're just going to give it of all of our picks. We're going to bring in Stafford. We're, uh, you know, we're just going to go all in this year. And they did. They, they won a Super Bowl. They got a mercenary group together, uh, to bring, to, to bring a Super Bowl. Great. Guess what happened when they actually used their picks for proper guys? Oh, I don't know. Puka Nakua happens in the fifth round. Uh, is it Kyron Williams is his name? The running back? The running back, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like a fifth round pick there. Um, so, yeah, you you don't like those picks for a year. You go win a Super Bowl. Hey, they're right back into the uh, into the playoffs this year. Sean McVay, um, he, his shyness has come off him just a little bit, but I definitely think that he needs to uh, to get his shine back because he's done a great job um, with this uh, group of guys that he has. You know, maybe at some point I should pay more attention to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, but I don't really like them. But that's where Kyron Williams came from, and they did find just a solid player there out of the Fighting Irish. Derek, uh, let's go ahead and go to the goat of the week, though. And let's, I, it looks like your goat of the week is someone that is probably a rival of the Fighting Irish. Yeah, so uh, as as if you've listened to this podcast longer than a couple of episodes this year, you know that I'm I'm running right back to the college ranks. Um, I do miss uh, miss college best uh, 19 years of my life. Um, I <laughs> I uh, wish I was lying, but uh, my go to the week is Blake Corum, the running back for the Michigan Wolverines. So I didn't have a uh, a rooting interest per se with the uh, with the Michigan Alabama game. I did pick them last week. Uh, did pick the game. I. I but uh, all season long, uh, me and Caleb have kind of gone back and forth on who's going to pick Michigan this week because they were just marching their way through all of their games and, and have been undefeated. So um, a big part of that is is Blake Corum. Um, he has he has run all over the Big Ten. Um, sorry to other Big Ten teams. But in this game, um, he had 83 yards rushing and a very important touchdown. Um, you know, a lot of this, uh, a lot of the stuff is going to go toward JJ McCarthy on, uh, all the accolades are going to go to him and, and, and especially that defense. But when you needed yards, uh, and you needed to keep the clock running, uh, Blake Horham came through. Um, he, like I said, he had that, that, uh, that touchdown. Everyone thought uh, he wasn't going to be able to, to get into the end zone. Didn't think that he was going to be much of a factor. 
gets the overtime touchdown and basically wins the game. So my go to the week um, is going to be, you know, he, he might be a little bit uh, unsung this week, but I definitely think that he's going to have uh, some very lucrative years coming up in the future with uh, his future prospects. Derek, Blake Corum is the all-time career rushing touchdown leader at Michigan now with that one that he got during the bowl game. one that he got. Yeah. Uh, He has 25 rushing touchdowns this year. 25. 25. That is impressive. So shout out to Blake Corum. I know that he may seem a little bit undersized, but someone's someone's going to want him in the NFL, and I'm excited to see when and where that happens. Uh, but not yet. He's got one more college game to play. Um, my go to the week is Caleb being incredibly biased, and that is Jordan Love. Uh, Jordan Love, he he's my guy. He's my dude. He was finding players open. He had. Went 24 for 33 with three touchdowns, no picks, no sacks allowed. And he also had a rushing touchdown against the Minnesota Vikings as they went to U.S. Bank Stadium and won 33 to 10. There were a lot of things that happened in that game that were not pretty, including like a fumbled punt return by the Packers, uh, pretty much all of the quarterback play by the Vikings. But Jordan Love, I saw him doing some things like a jump pass where he didn't have his feet set and he just ripped the ball down the field. And I'm like, yeah, this looks a little too familiar to some of our old quarterbacks. And like him dropping back and throwing off one foot and just rifling the ball into places. He's starting to put it all together, Derek, and I think that it is exciting. He needed to have a great game. I was nervous about this one because we normally don't play well in Minnesota. But he went out, got the early lead, and said, y'all aren't coming back. So that is why he is my goat of the week. And I have to say this, Derek. You know that this is Jordan Love's first full season as an NFL quarterback, correct? I do. So the stats that he put up this year with 3,800 passing yards and 30 touchdowns, they said that there has never been a Bears quarterback that has put those two things together (laughs) in one season in all of their existence. Sorry, Bears fans. I'm I'm, I'm, uh, I will say there's a lot of them. There's been a lot of good Bears quarterbacks out there, uh, and uh, I know one that came from the Bears and went to the Broncos and did a pretty good job. Um, and actually, flop that. I'm sorry. Went from the from the Broncos to the Bears, um, and and had a pretty good career. Uh, and you would think that he'd be able to put up that, but Mr. Mr. Cutler never did. And so, uh, a, a hat tip to Jordan Love. Um, a lot of people kind of said he wasn't going to be the next dude. But, uh, you know, the Packers are the Packers. And, you know, we talked about ownership groups earlier. Um, I want to say the ownership group for the Packers is uh, is pretty good. They're, do- they're doing a pretty good job up there. And uh, of the Packer owner that I know, he's a good buddy. And uh, I got a good head on his shoulders. So clearly the ownership group knows what they're doing. I like this. I like this a lot. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna, just gonna go and, uh, would you would you want to buy more uh, more words of affirmation from your from your co-host if you were in the stock watch? I will say that I'm a little bit uh, concerned about how much that would cost me, but uh, let's go ahead and, and, and make our investments. I'm, I'll jump out because I've already hinted at it a little bit earlier in the podcast. I'm buying Mike Tomlin. I'm buying. Uh, whatever it is that he likes and how he runs his team. He has been the head coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers since 2007. And yet again, he has a year where he does not 
have a losing record. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's a record most consecutive non-losing seasons to begin your coaching career. Nine and seven this year. Always, you know, the closest he's ever come is eight and eight. He finds ways to win football games, whether it's quarterback injuries, whether it's different things. He doesn't care. He just goes out and gets the job done. Uh, shout out Mike Tomlin. Uh, I think that especially earlier this year with Matt Canada, I wasn't sure if it was going to happen, but you fired him and you got there. So doing what you need to do, Mike, proud of you. Super impressed. Uh, Derek, any Mike Tomlin thoughts? You know, it is incredibly hard to not have down seasons in the NFL. We've talked about it over and over of like, you know, I, I was talking about the Vikings head coach. Um, you know, they're not going to have that, uh, that great win season and even a, a middling season. Um, but the, the best thing that might, the best thing that happened to Mike Tomlin this year was their superstar quarterback going down. Um, because, uh, former Oklahoma State Cowboy Mason Rudolph comes in right around Christmas time. Rudolph with your nose so bright, he led them to a couple of wins. Um, and that offense looked really good. Uh, Tomlin got rid of an entire country that was holding down the Pittsburgh Steelers and getting rid of Matt Canada. So he's making good moves. Um, my hope is that there will be, um, you know, some better choices when it comes to coaching next year, better, better uh, choices on personnel, but it, he just seems to get it. He just seems to, to find a way to make his team play. So, a uh, Mike Tomlin doing a great job out there. Pittsburgh Steelers. All the Yinzers are having a good time. Uh, just to to make a riff off of a different Christmas song. Uh, pass, pass, Rudolph. Mike Tomlin's got to get seven wins. Uh, <laughs> Very so. nice. Very so nice. It definitely feels like Mason understood the assignment and got the job done. Uh, Derek, what are you looking to buy this week other than not, not bad Brody Sports Talk alternate lyric songs? Yeah, we really need to, to have put out a, an album, Brody Christmas, just, that's what everyone comes here for is to, to hear us sing about the 12 days of Christmas and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, you, you look at your, your undervalued stocks and you try to buy things low so that you can sell them high. Well, I am going to buy something, uh, that's, I'm probably going to hold for an, for a couple of years. I am buying the AFC South. So, this week, we have three teams. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but divisions have four teams in them. Uh, three teams of the four teams uh, that could win the South depending on outcomes of games. So if the, uh, if the Jags lose, the Jacksonville Jaguars, if they win, they're the AFC South champions. If they lose... The winner of the Texans versus the Colts game is the South champion. And no matter what, the winner of the Texans-Colts game is in the playoffs. So it's a win and in. It's, it's a playoff game already. Week 18 is a playoff game. Um, this is what it is. I mean, the Texans, no one saw this coming. I mean, you expecting this kind of turnaround, rookie head coach, Rookie quarterback, uh, you know, trading all your really good picks to go up and get Will Anderson Jr. Uh, you know, as a third pick, everything seems to be coming up, uh, Houston. And then on the other, uh, the other side of it, uh, a couple of games in, the Colts lose their rookie quarterback who's going to change the franchise. They, they had Anthony Richardson, 
Uh, Shane Steichen is going to do something like he did with Jalen Hurts. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. They're going to be the Colts again, like when Peyton was there. And he goes down with, I want to call it two a disease, but, uh, it's a, he got hit in the head a lot and had some concussions. And then he had, uh, some other, uh, issues when it came to, uh, I think it was his shoulder. It's been, it's been so long. Uh, Gardner Minshew comes in, who, um, has played a lot of games for several teams. And, uh, you know, he's not ever going to be your starting quarterback. He's never going to be the guy that you want. But he's just come in and won games for Indianapolis. Shane Steichen's done, like I said, was, has done a great job putting together an offense, putting together a team, getting them playing week in, week out. And here we are. Um, Texans Colts. That game, um, the way the the way the Jags have looked recently, that's going to be the AFC South Championship. And I love the fact that you can have a championship game in Week 18 of a uh, of an NFL season because we don't get championship games. We don't get you know the Broncos versus the Chiefs uh, for the AFC West crown or the Dol- or the uh, the Eagles versus Cowboys, so the NFC East crown or something like that. We are looking at a potential championship game, and I love it. I love championship games, um, you know, the Big Ten, the Big 12, ACC, um, you know, the, the SEC. Uh, all those championship games were so fun uh, earlier this season. So I'm buying the South because three teams could be out of that division each and every year. And it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun, Derek. Uh, I like where you're coming from. I'm curious to see how long-term this happens, if this is going to be one of those new divisions, maybe similar to how we're feeling about the NFC West nowadays, where the 49ers, Rams, and Seahawks all feel like contenders in any given year. But it's definitely intriguing. Uh why don't you tell me what you're selling? I want to hear what you're selling before I, I uh, divulge what I'm selling. Yeah, so as much as I was talking about the AFC and the playoffs, I am selling my early season contenders. So earlier in the season, especially after a certain game that ended in a 50-point loss, I was saying the Miami Dolphins uh, were going to be a Super Bowl champion this year. Uh, Mike McDaniels, who I really do like. I think he's a good guy. I like his play calling. I like his attitude. Uh, his, the in-season hard knocks, I think it is what they, what they call it. Um, he's fun on that. And then Kansas City Chiefs, they've been there year after year after year. We're not going to see the AFC go through Kansas City this year. They're not the number one seed. Um, they're going to have a, a, a home playoff game, but they don't control their destiny uh, anymore where they play. I don't know. I mean, any given uh, any given week, Kansas City can turn it on. You're only trying to win three more games um, to get there, and so yeah, I could see these these teams win those games, but I'm not relying on them. I I'm, I would bet on the Ravens. I would bet on the Niners, which, you know, everyone, uh, you know, and everyone knows how much I like the Niners, but I'm seeing these teams that I thought were going to run away with the AFC kind of stumble a little bit and they don't look as good as they did earlier in the season. So I'm just going to go ahead and cut my losses. Um, so I don't have to say that I knew them win, um, if they don't do anything in the playoffs this year. I think that's fair, Derek. I think that they both seem like they were potentially those front runners, and now it just seems like they are, uh, like they, we know that they're playoff teams, but how much do we really believe that they are going to push and be up there with some of the best? They're definitely not playing their best football right now. So. Yeah, so, uh, now that I've got a little money, a little bit of money in my account, um, what are you selling this this time? I don't think you're going to want to buy what I'm selling, but I'm going ahead and I'm selling the Eagles defensive coaches for a lot of the talk of what's going on up there in Philly. A lot of things are still going well. 
They have an 11 and 5 record. They still have a top 10 scoring offense in the league. I know last year it was third. This year it's seventh. That's not that huge of a difference. I believe I mentioned this earlier in the year at one point when we were talking about Philly, but it was eighth in terms of points against last year, and now it is 29th in terms of points against this year. That's that's really awful. They, of course, lost Jonathan Gannon to the Cardinals. Uh, Vic Fangio, who had been working on their staff as an assistant, went and was signed with Miami. Clearly, things are not all rosy in Miami either. But Sean Desai is just not getting what he needs to out of this defense. And I don't know if it's like, I don't have any insider information, but you know, they brought in Sean Desai from Seattle this past year. I'm not sure how well he has gelled with going from Pete Carroll to Nick Sirianni. And the other thing is like, he hasn't been calling the plays the last few weeks because they did that. They gave those duties over to, Senior defensive assistant Matt Patricia. I thought he's not any better. That's not. uh, It's not New England. Um, (laughs) Let's just say I don't know what all is going on on that staff and their continuity on the defensive side of the ball, but I feel like Sirianni is very much going to be tempted to clean house, get rid of Desai, get rid of. Patricia and just clear out a bunch of the coaches on that side of the ball and find a fresh start. I'm, I'm going to say it again, Derek. It's the name that, the, that keeps on popping up. Edro Evero, you know, oh, yeah. if, 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 you know, his head coach has already been fired this year. Uh, I know that he's done it with two head coaches in a row where he's not the interim, but he, he, you know, he was with, he was there in Denver. They fired Hackett. Evero's not there. Uh, he's there in Carolina. They fire Reich. Evero's got to land somewhere. And if he could be opposite of Jalen Hurts on uh, coaching this Eagles defense, woo, I think that would be yeah. an exciting thing to see. But I'm selling all of the defensive coaches currently on the Philadelphia Eagles staff. I'm sorry that I'm doing this to you, especially after I made a case to fire Joe Barry just a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> uh, clearly, I am feisty about defenses right now. Uh, Derek, uh, anything you want to add on this one for the Eagles and their staff? I'll just say the entire Eagles team has not felt like the last year's Eagles team. I don't know exactly what has changed if there's not that uh fight anymore like hey we got to the super bowl something 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 but it it very well could be hey we lost both of our coordinators and those guys are hard to replace um we got lucky when we found them the first time and there's a reason why they're head coaches and uh one of them's doing such a good job it's uh you know it's hard to find those guys I will I will fight till the the ends of the earth for uh Evero to be either a head coach, a defensive coordinator, anything on a team that I watch. Uh I think he's just an amazing D coordinator. So, you know, maybe. So you're telling me there's a chance. I mean, I think Evero's good enough that he's going to land on his feet. Let's say that for sure. Agreed. Well, Derek, He's not going to be out of a job very much, very long. No, that's that's very true. Uh, Derek, I know that you talked about them a little bit in your early season contenders, but our game of the week this week is for first place in the AFC East. The Bills at the Dolphins. The Bills may need this one to get into the playoffs. It is the final, final game of the season. It is game uh, 500 and nope, nope, that's too many games. Give me a second here. My calculator is not agreeing with me. Game 272 of the NFL season. There we go. Uh, so 
my now that we're looking at the Bills and Dolphins, and again, this is uh this is up there for the AFC East uh you know, crown and, and the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. Um my matchup to watch in this game is the Dolphins versus the emergency room. Um, my question for this is which Miami player is going to get hurt in this game because they need to get into the playoffs as healthy as possible. They have lost a lot of guys, uh, Jalen Phillips, Isaiah Wynn, uh, Bradley Chubb. Uh, then we've got some guys that are hurt, so like Jalen Waddle and Raheem Mozart, uh, Xavier Howard, um, had, uh, is, is banged up. Um, you know, you've got offensive linemen, you, you're just a little bit of everywhere. Um, even Tyreek Hill, their wide receiver, that's so great and, you know, was up there in that MVP, uh, conversation earlier this year. You know, he's even got a little bit, uh, he's limited in practice and, and um, has got some stuff. They need to go into, I know they need to win this game, but they need to go into the playoffs as healthy as possible. We know that they're not going to get any rest, um, that, you know, they're not going to get the number one seed. Um, so, like, how do you win the game by his, you know, as few plays as possible, not putting anything out there, uh, where guys would get hurt or, or anything like that. So let's keep the injury bug away from the, the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And, uh, was thinking about Chubb when I saw you putting this down on the list. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with, a uh, player that has come back from injury earlier this year and a superstar on the other side of the field. I want to see Jalen Ramsey versus Stefan Diggs. Um, I, I don't know if Ramsey is who he used to be. Uh, so far this year, he only has three interceptions, not a ton of passes deflected, um, but he had one against New England and two against the Raiders. And since then, he hasn't had any picks since Thanksgiving. Um, he's not, not having as big of an impact as I think Jalen Ramsey would like to be having, but I also know he's someone that they need to be able to lean on. Cause if you can limit Stefan Diggs to something like three catches for 50 yards versus six, seven, eight catches for a hundred plus, that's all of a sudden a very different game that you force the Bills into. Remember, it was during this game earlier this year that Buffalo went out and put up 48 on Miami in Orchard Park. Mm-hmm. They, they've got to find a way to cut that down. They, they can't do that again. They don't want to do that again. Like, that 48 to 20 is simply an unsustainable amount from last time. And in that game, Stefan Diggs had three touchdown receptions. Jalen Ramsey are here. You've gotta you've gotta stop him. You can't in uh that game he had six catches for one twenty and three TDs. You've gotta stop him. You can't let Stefan Diggs cook cook you guys like that this time. Uh, Agreed. Uh, that's a really good, uh, really good one. That's going to be best on best. Um, you know, I think that Josh Allen has some other options that he can, uh, he can go to, but, uh, Ramsey's going to be very important to this defense and very important on, uh, shutting down Diggs. So really good matchup there. Derek, are I you, think it's time. Are we, it's time uh, for the Brody bets. Yeah, I, I thought I heard the uh, the slot machines ring a dingin', and uh, so let's go to over to our Brody Betts segment. Uh, last week, just to to recap, um, I went with a lot of college games and I went four and one. So a hat tip to me, and a, so my Oklahoma State Cowboys uh, stayed under the thirty eight and a half. No, I'm sorry. 
that was the I had the Oklahoma State plus two. Uh, Oklahoma State won outright at A and M, and then the Broncos Chargers game I had the under thirty eight and a half. There we go. Uh, and that game didn't put up uh, much of a fight there. Didn't even make it to the thirties. Um, I had Georgia minus sixty and a half versus Florida State. That was a sixty point win. Pretty easy on that one. Uh, I had the Rose Bowl plus two Alabama. Michigan won that one by seven, as we talked about earlier. And then the funniest outcome, which of course is my wild card, the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. Iowa, Tennessee, under 36 and a half. Iowa scored zero points. Tennessee scored 35. So I scraped by with a point and a half uh, margin there. Derek, here's the question that we all want to know, though. Were you the Pop-Tart at the Pop-Tarts Bowl, or were you the Pop-Tart mascot? I cannot confirm or deny I did sign an NDA recently, so I'm not going to confirm or deny, but let's just say that's just some jam on the back of my head. Ah, Okay. Uh, to recap, Caleb, uh, his, uh, had a, had a pretty good week overall, a 2-2 and 1 week. Um, he had the Cotton Bowl, Ohio State versus Missouri. Uh, Missouri won by 11. That was a, a really strange game, uh, for a Cotton Bowl game. Uh, OSU was up 3-0 at the halftime. Missouri scored 14 points in the second half. Um, and, Ohio State didn't score anything. It just surprised me. Um, as Caleb talked about earlier, the Packers did beat the Vikings, but he had over 45 and a half, and it was a 43-point game. Unfortunate that uh, Packers couldn't put that that last uh, field goal in or something like that to get it over the uh, the 45 and a half. But I think he will take a win over the Vikings uh, in the Viking Stadium. He did win his favorite, uh, Browns minus seven at the Jets, uh, won by 17 there. Uh, Joe Flacco, still elite. Um, his underdog as Bengals plus eight, he did push when the Chiefs uh, scored 25, Bengals 17, so got a an eight point push there. And wild card, he did win with the Lions and Cowboys under 53 and a half. Um, it was a 39 point game, should have been a 41 point game. Um, linemen are people too; they do get to report. I, I, they report all the time. They're, uh, very confident and active in their reporting. They always make sure that they have their reports turned in on time. Uh, linemen are, are some of the best at reporting, period. Uh, and what a frustrating ending, but uh, I'm glad I hit the under at least. Yeah. So, I mean, even, even at 41, that, uh, you would have, you would have won that one because, uh, they didn't even get close to there. So, um, our spares and strikes, uh, this week of our college game, we only really have one left. And so me and Caleb are going to go head to head on this one. Uh, for me, I'm going to take the over under on this game. The, the number is 55 and a half. Big number. Uh, but, you know, both teams did score. Uh, in the 20s and 30s, so I'm going to uh, take over 55 and a half. I still like that Michigan defense to uh, to stop, uh, but I still think 55 and a half is a pretty good number. So I'm going to take over 55 and a half. Caleb, where are you at on the Michigan Washington game? Uh, you teased it a little bit earlier in the podcast. We kept going back and forth about who was going to take Michigan as their favorite. Uh, that's me this week. I'm taking Michigan minus four and a half, uh, just to, to go out there and at least cover that against the Huskies as I, I think it'll be a, a game winning touchdown similar to the Rose Bowl. It's a really good pick. I mean, once again, we've picked Michigan all year, uh, and that, uh, that has, so, you know, what happens if we get 
like a a 30 35 game uh Michigan wins by uh wins 35 to 30 we both win we that would be great uh 36 to 31 i think is is what you want okay you know that's uh you need over 55 and a half not right at 55 right at 55 is not helping you out enough didn't I just say 30? Isn't that, that's over 55? You said 35, so, you said 35, 30. Yeah, so oh, that'd be 65. I'm, I'm not doing the math right. Are you good, man? It was like, I thought I was, uh, was doing the math wrong. I was trying to go way over so that I wouldn't have to worry about it. So, um, as this is the last week of the NFL season, uh, tell me where you're at with your Packers. So I am. Going to go with the Packers. They are hosting the Bears in the longest rivalry in the NFL. They are a three-point favorite at home. Over-under is 44.5. I have to say that this game does worry me a little because the Bears have been playing some dang good football lately, and I'm not afraid to admit that. I'm going to go ahead and take the Packers minus the three, because that is what my heart wants, and this week, when your playoff berth is on the line, winning your end, Green Bay, I'm just putting my heart on my sleeve because I'm going to be cheering that way anyway. Go, Pat, go. Yeah, so before we move on uh, from that, uh, I we're, we're going to have lots of conversations about this in the offseason, but um, if you're the Bears' front office, you have the number one overall pick, um, are you moving on from from Fields this year and picking up a Drake May, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Bo Nix type, um, or are you uh, you sticking with Fields after this season? I think that you've got to stick with what's been working. Uh, you've had a hot stretch here at the end of the season with Fields. I think that you trade that first pick probably down to two with Washington. Uh, so Washington can give up a bunch of stuff and you can move one pick down and then potentially you move down again and get another King's ransom for Drake may. Um, and if you can do that, you take fields and you put so much talent around him that you're going to be happy with what you have. And if you need a quarterback later, you'll trade up for him. Good point. Good point. Um, so heading over to week 18 for the Broncos. They are at Las Vegas. Um, Vegas is a two and a half point favorite. I'm going my Broncos plus two and a half. Uh, Jared Sidham, uh, I think, I think he's going to come through. They've done it. It looked pretty good this, uh, the, the, this last game with Sidham. I don't think either team has anything to play for other than bragging rights, and I think that uh, Sean Payton wants to go out on a high note um, because he's got uh, vacation plans in just a couple of days, so um, no playoffs for the Broncos, only uh, exit interviews. So wants to go out on a good foot, uh, Broncos plus two and a half. Uh, so... We've got a game for the NFC South uh, as my favorite. Um, the Buccaneers can lock up the division by beating the Carolina Pan- uh, Panthers, um, already have the number one pick, which they've sent over to Chicago. Um, they're on a two-win team. Uh, Tampa Bay minus five and a half at Carolina. I think uh, Shake and Bake, Baker Mayfield, Get it done. The uh, Buccaneers go ahead and head over to the uh, the playoffs, uh, locking up that division. Uh, where are you at on your favorites? I didn't look at your favorite before I started talking, uh, and I see that you're also in a similar uh, similar function. Yeah, I'm going with the the teams that can make the playoffs, trying to win their games. So you've got Tampa Bay winning. Before that one, I believe uh, the Saints and Falcons are playing. It's Saints minus three. I'm not buying what the Falcons are doing lately. We talked about them not hitting their over-under earlier, but I do think it is interesting. But I'm taking the Saints in the NFC South to go get that W 
and get that three points. Uh, can I, can I share a, uh, a fun tidbit with you, Derek, that you may or may not be aware of? Please. So if somehow there is a scenario where the, the Steelers and Jaguars both have nine wins, because if Denver gets to nine wins, it enters the tiebreakers, the Steelers have a chance of making the playoffs if and would make the seven seed potentially in that situation. So if the Jaguars lose and Indian Houston or one of them win the division, the Broncos could knock the Jaguars out of the playoffs. I didn't know if you were aware of that. So you do yeah. have something going on as far as potential playoff berths are concerned. That's, uh, you know, if you can go from winning the division to out of the playoffs, uh, that easily, it's, uh, pretty crazy. It is very crazy, but it'll, it will be interesting to see exactly what happens there. Uh, let's, let's move on to our underdogs, Derek. Uh, who who are you feeling is a an interesting underdog this time? Yeah, so I talked about it earlier. I'm jumping all over this Houston at Indianapolis game. Uh game to it's a win and in playoff game. Win and you could be the champions. Uh you could be having a playoff game at your home stadium. Houston plus point and a half at Indy. Um, I am I am all in on D'Amico Ryan's. I am all in on this Texans team, um, the fighting JJ Watts, whatever you want to call them. Um, I am I am in, and I don't care who wins this game. I think it's just going to be a slugfest. It's going to be amazing. But for me, underdog Houston going into that game, um, and just I just love it. Uh, here we go. I like where you're coming from. I'm going with a a feisty underdog this week because I think it'll be interesting to see exactly how this one turns out. But I'm going in a bird battle in the NFC West as uh, I'm taking the Cardinals plus two and a half at home. They're in State Farm Stadium and they're hosting the Seahawks. The Cardinals have been playing well lately and the Seahawks have not been playing their best ball. I think the Cardinals are going to go out, get the upset, and make a little chaos happen potentially. So uh, give me the Cardinals getting the upset at home in a, a way where they get their fifth win of the year and potentially hurt the Texans' draft capital at the same time. <laughs> that would be exactly what they would uh, what they would want. So we talked about uh, a team earlier, and I'm jumping all on this on my wild card. The Rams, who are going to the playoffs, uh, are a three and a half point underdog at San Francisco. Uh, I'm not sure anybody's playing in this game. I, I think it is. Uh, oh, I just got a phone call. Hang on. No, I'm 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 sorry. No, I can't I can't can't come play quarterback for you. No. Hey guys, that was John Lynch. He wanted me to play quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers cuz he does not want anyone of any substance to play quarterback um who might play in the in the the postseason. We all know what happened to San Francisco last year. They uh they went through three quarterbacks. Um, in that, uh, NFC title game, um, uh, versus the Eagles and they are just trying to get anyone out there that they can, uh, so they can get their players, uh, healthy they, going into, I mean, they, they do have the number one seed, so they are sitting out next week. But, uh, so I'm taking the Rams to win this game outright, but I'll still take the three and a half points, um, at San Francisco. Hey, if you can get three and a half points, you might as well take them. Take them. Um, I'm going with the finale. It's our game of the week. I talked about it earlier. Bills Dolphins, the over-under is listed at 50 and a half. 
I mentioned it in the early part. It was 48 to 20 last time. I don't think that it's quite as lopsided, but I do think the Dolphins just gave up 56 to the Ravens. I'm not fully invested in their defense. Give me the Bills Dolphins over 50 and a half, as I think it will be a lot of points going down there in Miami. Yeah, we talked about that game, and then we've talked about that our, that was a focus earlier. Uh, over 50 and a half. I don't think there's going to be any defense played. Both these teams are uh, have offensive superstars to boot. So uh, let's get it done. Let's get it done indeed. And that is actually all that we have for this episode of Brody Sports Talk. We hope that you have enjoyed it. We hope that you like it. You can always find us on Twitter at Brody Talk. And you can also go check out some of the places our podcast is at in our link tree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Brody Talk. On behalf of the best co-host in all the land, Derek Rusnick, my name is Caleb Walgren, and we are signing out. Later, y'all. Bye, guys.